Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, how are y'all doing today? It is episode 255. I'm your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. You guys having fun? It is It is the end of March. April is in two and a half days. That is wild, man. I can't believe it's April already. That means we're that much closer to summer. We're that much closer to Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Man, we're, we're getting there, man. Man. Um, I don't know why I'm saying man, How, but no, for real. Um, as always, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. You know you know where to find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and the, and the like. Uh, you know where to follow us on socials. You know Nick's Nerd News on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, follow the Nick DeFalco on TikTok. That's my personal uh, TikTok, but post a lot about the shows. I'm going to start doing some... Uh, I'm going to start showing off my collection if you will, on, on the talk, you know, my different things that I've amassed over the years, but uh, just giving some hints there, but, you know, again, welcome to Nick's Nerd News. This is the news of the nerddom, if you will. I'm, why am I doing new things? We're 255 episodes in. We don't, we don't, we don't do new things. Um... <laughs> That is uh, that is wild. We're five episodes away from our fifth year anniversary, folks. So that's a thing as well. But you know what? I'm I'm having fun. I hope you guys are having fun. We got a good uh, good episode today. We're gonna be talking about John Wick at the end of the episode. So make sure you guys stick around if you want to hear my spoiler filled review of John Wick Chapter Four. I loved it, is uh, just a quick spoiler there for the episode. I uh, got some news pertaining to some big stuff going on in the TV world. Uh, a lot of things are interestingly gettingly revealed in regards to movies that are coming out. Uh, and then surprisingly, a, a some interesting, interesting things in the gaming world. And of course, we have an update on the Microsoft Activision merger because... It's not a week in the gaming world in 2023 without some Activision Xbox news. So, before we waste any more time talking about nonsense, let's just get right to what you guys are all here for, and that's the nerd news. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on in the gaming world, shall we? Well, the first thing... Uh, we should go off of. So, how about this? Did So, we're talking about Elden Ring now, two weeks in a row, uh, fresh off its year, first year anniversary. Well, uh, From Software has announced that Elden Ring will be getting a ray tracing update on current gen consoles as well as PC. So, if you guys are, are playing... Um, if you guys are playing, make sure you guys check that out, so that way you can uh, play it with ray tracing now. I don't know why it took so long on that one, but that is for you guys who play Elden Ring. 
Next up, let's talk about a game that ha actually happened to be leaked, and then now it's it's it got officially announced. But um, Lego 2K Drive, which is a new uh, open world AAA racing game from 2K Games, um, and it is a new racing game that will obviously be set in a Lego world. You get to build your race car. You get to transition. From boats to cars. I don't know if it was planes, but you can pretty much build what your heart desires with different Lego elements, Lego bricks, uh, Lego pieces, things like that. So that is coming out later this year. Lego 2K Drive. It actually looks really fun. Surprise announced. Uh, I'm sure they realized there was a, a demand for this after they released that Lego expansion for Lego, not for Lego, for Forza Horizon 4 which had a, of course, a famous Lego DLC, uh, similar in vain to how they do with, like, the Hot Wheels DLC. But this one, obviously, you got a Lego Speed Champions McLaren. And there's a Lego Speed Champions theme uh, where you can get current cars in Lego form. Uh, also, this has been making the rounds. I, I guess someone at Paramount Global, which is the company that, you know, runs Paramount, MTV... Nickelodeon, things like that, uh, was on record talking about... So they, they own the rights to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And someone dropped that they were making a AAA game in the vein of God of War Ragnarok, but for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. So The Last Ronin is a new story that recently came out that was actually written by the original creators of the TMNT for the first time in, like, 30 years of them working together. Uh, it tells the story of a essentially a post-apocalyptic world uh, with the TMN, with the Ninja Turtles. I don't know why I say TMNT when I say Ninja Turtles. But essentially there's only one turtle left and that is the last Ronin. I'm not going to spoil it because you guys should really read that graphic novel. It's actually really, really fucking good. It's, it's one of the best graphic novels over the last few years. But it's actually perfect for a AAA ad adaptation, especially if they're going to be focusing on the on God of War, right? Because that's the type of character that whenever you hear Last Ronin, right, you think a lone warrior, a lone samurai type, um, obviously with the Ronin, with, with someone who is experienced, uh, knows their way around a weapon, right? And that's kind of the, the vibe that would actually fit perfectly for that fighting the, the foot clan and things like that. And this last turtle actually has the weapons of all his brothers. So you wouldn't know who it is and, until you read the story. But if, if that game is real and it is, it gets a triple a studio behind it. I think it, it would, it would probably sell very well and, and do very well if the right developer is behind it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, we finally got a release date for Lord of the Rings Gollum. Uh, that game's been delayed and delayed and delayed. Well, it's finally coming, and it drops this May. Uh, watch it get delayed again. <laughs> um, Sega has announced Sonic Origins Plus, which is a add-on if you already have Sonic Origins, or you can get Sonic Origins Plus as a whole game as well. Uh, what this does is now it adds the 12 Game Gear games, 
uh, all the 12 Sonic Game Gear games. Uh, Game Gear was, of course, Sega's handheld to compete with the Game Boy, as well as new playable characters in uh, different Sonic games. Like I saw Tails was being added as a playable character in, in Sega, in Sonic CD. Um, so that will be available soon and retails for like 7 bucks. Or you can get Sonic Origins Plus as a whole with the original release plus those for 30 bucks. I think I saw that. Um, like I stated at the top of the hour, we have news in regards to the Xbox Activision merger. Well, uh, in a new release via the UK's CMA, Competitions and Markets Authority, it is now less concerned about the deal going through. Um, they released a statement saying that one of its key provisional concerns uh, that it would harm competition if Microsoft purchased Activision. Uh, they have had that addressed. Um, so after seeing feedback from Microsoft, Sony, all involved parties, I think I told you guys a while back that six different major uh, people that were opposed to it had actually been swayed back, um, or six different studios actually offered their support. Um, and this is the statement. It says, quote, The CMA's updated provisional findings show an improved understanding of the console gaming market and demonstrate a commitment to supporting players and competition. Sony's campaign to protect its dominance by blocking our merge... Oh, sorry, uh, competition. Uh, oh, no, that's Activision Blizzard's statement. Still not done. Uh, the CMA hasn't fully issued their final verdict. They're expecting it by the end of the month. Let me see. I don't know why that wasn't... Okay, so here is an official statement from the... Oh, that's long. But anyway, this is from thegov.uk. So, uh, in February, the Competitions and Markets Authority published provisional findings setting out that the deal raises competition concerns in relation to both console gaming and cloud gaming services in the UK. The publication of provisional findings initiated a period of consul consultation in which the CMA invited responses to those findings from interested parties and continued to gather information. The CMA has received a significant amount of new evidence in response to its original provision findings. Having considered this new evidence carefully, together with the wide range of information gathered before those provisional findings were issued, the CMA Inquiry Group has updated its provisional findings and reached the provisional conclusion that, overall, the transaction will not result in a substantial lessening of competition in relation to console gaming in the UK. The most significant new evidence provided to the CMA relates to Microsoft's financial incentives to make Activision games, including Call of Duty, exclusive to its own consoles. While the CMA's original analysis indicated that this strategy would be profitable under most scenarios, new data, which provides better insight into the actual purchasing behavior of COD gamers, indicates that this strategy would be significantly loss-making under any plausible scenario. On this basis, the updated analysis now shows that it would not be commercially beneficial to Microsoft to make COD exclusive to Xbox following the deal, but that Microsoft will instead still have the incentive to continue to make the game available on PlayStation. Uh, unquote. So they go into more, but essentially what they're admitting is that Microsoft would lose money if they made it exclusive. And I, I think we all know that. I think a lot of people know that, but it seems like Sony is pushing a narrative that it it's not going to happen. 
obviously they keep signing deals with more and more people. And in a twisted, or in a sick twist of fate, it, it, it's funny, but Japan's Competition Regulatory Board has approved the Xbox Microsoft the Xbox, the Microsoft Activision merger in Japan. Obviously, Microsoft and Xbox don't have a small, uh, don't have a large. I don't know why I said small. Don't have a large footing in Japan. They're they're a very minuscule part of the market, the gaming market there. Um, but the Japan Fair Trade Commission has approved it, uh, and quote the Japan the. Japan Fair Trade Commission reviewed the transaction and reached the conclusion that the transaction is unlikely to result in substantially restraining competition in any particular fields of trade. Um, unquote. They went on to say the merger, quote, is safe harbor criteria for vertical business integration. And accordingly, the JFTC has notified the parties that the JFTC will not issue a cease and desist order. Unquote. So... <laughs> that's that is just out of control that sony didn't even put up a fight first off this proves that sony's all bullshit because they didn't even put up a fight in their home country they didn't they didn't and it it, it just it it's make they look worse and worse by the day by the day and, and while we're talking about japan and the activision Xbox merger. I want to talk about what's going on with U.S. Congress in terms of Japan and Sony and and Xbox. Uh, Eleven members of of the U.S. Congress on on both sides of the party have uh, signed letters relating to quote anti-competitive tactics unquote. Uh, there are two different letters, like I said, being signed by both parties. This is per Axios and. Uh, it started, they were addressed to Ambassador Catherine Tai and Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo. It says, quote, Today we write to you to bring your attention to the imbalanced Japanese video game market, which we are concerned may be a result of discriminatory trade practice that could violate the spirit of the U.S.-Japan Digital Trade Agreement. Uh, unquote. It, 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 they went on to say, quote, Our understanding is that the Japanese government tolerates a range of exclusionary conduct by the domestic companies that may violate Japan's antitrust laws, and that this inaction by the Japanese government harms the ability of U.S. companies to compete in the country, unquote. It's, um, they then followed it up with, uh, it, it all has to do with Sony in Japan. Microsoft has about a 2% market share in, in Japan in regards to Xbox sales. Um, they've only really... There was only a few months ago they outsold PlayStation for the first time ever, I think. But it, it's funny because one of these is is being brought up by one of the congressmen, congresswomen from Washington, who obviously represent Microsoft. Um, do I think it's going to do anything? No. Do I think that it has merit? No. I, I think it's funny that they're doing it. I obviously Japanese gamers do not find an appeal in a lot of American games or in Xbox in general. And I, I get that, right? Like, Xbox has a bigger footing here in the U.S. Uh, than it does around the world. Um, PlayStation obviously dominates Japan. It's where it's from. Nintendo's another story, though, right? Um, 
So it, it, I just think it's funny that, and I'm like, were these centers then on the the Activision deal, huh? Were you there? But it, it's all it's all fugazi. It's all for fucking show, man. They they want to distract people with smoke and mirrors from other shit. Um, we'll stay on the Xbox train here for just a little bit. Uh, Microsoft has put an end to their one dollar Xbox Game Pass Ultimate trial. Uh, deal that they've been running for several years now. So essentially what you could do, uh, and this was in a statement to The Verge, Microsoft said, quote, we have stopped our previous introductory offer for Game Pass Ultimate and PC Game Pass and are evaluating different marketing promotions for new members in the future, unquote. Uh, So what what the $1 deal was, was essentially if, if you were new to Game Pass, you could sign up for your first month for free for $1. It's normally 15 bucks or whatever it is now. But it, it a lot of people figure out like a way to game the system where they could stack it for a dollar. I, I don't know how that worked. Um, but obviously a lot of people were only paying a dollar for Game Pass and it was still successful. I pay the monthly rate, which is about, fifth, like I said, it's about 15 bucks. Uh, they don't have a yearly option right now, which is kind of weird. Um, obviously they got... A lot of people gave them heat a couple months back when they like were gonna try and jack up the prices. They don't, and they have like three month deals. That's what I was doing for a while. But obviously, new people can't get Game Pass for a dollar, which I understand from a business standpoint. You can't do that forever. Um, surprisingly, there's not a big, uh, there isn't a big uproar over this. So. <laughs> like most people, oh fuck them, but like surprisingly, people are like, yeah, obviously it makes sense, dude. <laughs> but yeah, you can't get it for a dollar anymore. Um, we've now learned that Ubisoft, Sega, and more have all pulled out of E3, which is funny because Ubisoft literally just confirmed they were going to E3 a couple weeks ago. But this puts the trade show in doubt. Uh, the future of E3 is is clearly like not good it's bleak it's bleak as fuck actually um is e3 what it used to be not at all should it continue probably not uh it it will probably be replaced with something in the future i mean all all the publishers and stuff have been doing like kind of their own thing as of late which i kind of prefer they don't have to be beholden to e3 Uh, it sucks for fans though since they just kind of started letting fans go to it again and it's kind of been like dead because of covid but I, I hope that this could create something new in its place since E3, like I said, had started to become a bit of a joke. But at this point, I don't know who's left to be at E3 because none of the big three will be there and then the next uh, tier of publishers won't be there either. So, like, EA hasn't been there in forever. So, we'll see what goes on with E3 moving forward. Uh, Valve has announced that Steam will be ending support for Windows 7 and 8 next year. So if you're on Windows 7 or 8, which I don't know how many people are, uh, just know that your Steam won't work, you know, next year. Um, So that brings us to the PS Plus games for next month. Unfortunately, we have not learned what April's Xbox Games with Gold will be, Um, but... We can at least 
get an idea of the other half. Uh, so on PlayStation, if you have PS Plus, the games available to available to you will be Meet Your Maker, Sack Boy A Big Adventure, and Tales of Iron. So be on the lookout for those starting next month. Uh, before we get to our biggest story of the day, uh, I do want to talk about um, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, the sequel to, of course, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, its DLC comes out in May, and Guerrilla Games has uh, given some insight as to why uh, The Burning Shores will be a PS5 exclusive. You will not be able to get this DLC if you are playing Horizon Forbidden West on the PlayStation 4. Uh, Nara Narey Lee, who is a senior community manager, wrote on the PlayStation blog that uh, because of the cloud system, uh, that the cloudscape is set up in a certain way, it will only work on the PS5. Yes, it's because of clouds. Um, Principal FX artist Andrew Schneider and tech bro programmer Nathan Voss went on to say more. Uh, this is what you can find on the PlayStation blog. Quote, The cloud systems that we developed for Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon For Forbidden West were fast because they didn't store clouds as 3D objects, but rather instructions on creating 3D clouds from limited 2D information. The PlayStation 5 can handle larger data sets, so after Forbidden West wrapped, we set to work with a voxel cloud renderer prototype that could live up to our standards for quality and actually allow the player to fly through highly detailed cloud formations, unquote. So yes, the Horizon Forbidden West DLC Burning Shores is PS5 exclusive because of the clouds. I, I... <laughs> this is the stupidest shit I've ever fucking heard. The clouds. Oh, God. But anyway... Let's talk about gaming's biggest story, and it's actually about multiverse. So in a, a shocking twist of fate, Warner Brothers Games and Player First Games have announced that multiverses will be shutting down in June for it to fully release next year. And if you're wondering, wait a minute, this game has had like two seasons... What do you mean it's shutting down for full release? That's right. Apparently, everyone has been playing multiverses in a free-to-play beta. While the game will be free-to-play when it launches next year still, uh, it, it's, it's been an open beta this entire time. Uh, first, uh, Player First Games said, quote, Throughout our open beta, we've been working hard to build the best gameplay experience, and we appreciate all the inspiration you've given us. Our open beta has been an important learning opportunity for us and a stepping stone to the next phase of multiverses, unquote. Which, again, I had no idea that uh, it was in an open beta. We actually learned recently that its uh, PC player base had virtually vanish 99% of them have, have just there was a 99% drop in activity um yeah the other issue with this essentially closing is people have spent money on the game right for in-game currency this the seasons and things like that um 
and you can't get a refund, even though you the game will pretty much be unplayable until it relaunches. So you have a couple months to play it still, uh, and then after June it will shut down until early 2024. And Warner Brothers Games has announced they will not be issuing refunds. So anything you bought, you can't get a refund for. It will carry over, but I I just why release the game and then shut it down for a year? It's never coming back. I I don't I don't care what anyone says. It's it's not it's not ever coming back. It 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 was a great thing uh, that did okay, but they say they're going to bring more characters and more seasons and things like that and cosmetics but let's let's be honest it 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 will never do what it did just like the nickelodeon smash clone it it came and went but you know what's still standing S- super smash brothers like everything that has tried to dethrone it has has come and gone by the wayside and they fail every time but that is it for gaming Let's head on over to the TV world, shall we? So, what's going on in in TV land? Shall we talk about that? Well, we have finally learned the name of the new Pokemon anime. uh, That's obviously not starring Ash Ketchum after nearly 25 years. Uh, But Pokemon Horizons will be the new show. It is going to be set in Kanto, surprisingly, even though it will feature a lot of Paldean Pokemon and Captain Pikachu, and a new host of characters. Uh, That is set to premiere in Japan later this year, and of course a dubbed U.S. version at some point after that. Um, PETA has called on Amazon Studios and the rest of Hollywood to stop using live animals in production after a horse died on the set of The Rings of Power. From what I can see... The, the horse did not die from, like, ne- negligence or anything like that. Um, horses are very fragile for some reason. Obviously, the show, um, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was on HBO. It was all about horse racing. Like, that show got canned because, like, horses were dying left and right. But everyone knows that PETA's kind of a joke, right? So, had, first off, if they started making movies without real horses, like for a lot of things, it would be super noticeable and just it wouldn't look good at all. PETA, just just stop. Please go focus on like actual things that can help animals and people riding horses in a movie is not one of them. Cool? Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, Vincent D'Onofrio has uh, been talking in interviews saying that Daredevil Born Again is essentially getting a second season before Disney has actually announced it. How true this is, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Uh, But he also said that it will be violent and we don't need to worry about that, which is is good because that's what Daredevil made Daredevil so good on Netflix. Um, But if it does get a season two, I'll be very happy. Um, we've also got new info on Muppets Mayhem, the new uh, Muppets spinoff show coming to Disney Plus about the Electric Mayhem band. That's the band that Animal is in. Uh, we only got images, though. Nothing else. Uh, ooh, Amy Jo Johnson 
the original Pink Ranger, Kimberly, has uh, spoken out against rumors that uh, were swirling about why she did not appear in the upcoming Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Once and Always, which is like the 30th anniversary special. And uh, she was quoted as saying, quote, none of your beeswax, unquote. <laughs> um, she said this on Twitter, quote, please stop saying I didn't do reunion because of money. Simply not true. Maybe I just didn't want to wear spandex in my 50s or couldn't go to New Zealand for a month or none of your beeswax, unquote. Obviously, it, it's, you know, in the record uh, that she's not in it. She's not in the trailer or anything like that. People said it was over money, and now she's finally saying it wasn't. Um, she even said in January, quote, For the record, I never said no. I just didn't say yes to what was offered. But other fun stuff is in store. Looking forward to watching my friends kick ass, unquote. Which, she's not the only person that won't be in the special. Um, we also know that uh, um, Tommy Oliver's actor, Jason David Frank, will not be in it as either as he declined to appear in it before his passing. So that is what happening. That premieres on April 19th. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Once and Always, the 30th anniversary special airing on Netflix. Um, the uh, A producer and writer on Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, tweeted out that season 12 would actually be its last, uh, but then deleted the tweet not long after. Uh, so it has led to speculation that Kirby Enthusiasm will be ending with Season 12. Obviously, Larry David has not said anything uh, in regards to the show, as, as he's kind of the driving force behind it. And of course, um, HBO kind of gives him a blank check with it and kind of just says, make it whenever you want. Obviously, a lot of things at HBO are changing, but I'm sure that Kirby Enthusiasm tends to be uh, one of its more profitable and most watched shows, so I don't see why they would want to kill a golden goose unless Larry wants to walk away. And until I hear it come out of Larry's mouth, I don't believe it. Um, speaking of HBO, House of the Dragon Season 2 has been announced that it will have only 8 episodes compared to the first season's 10. And apparently it's due to the fact that the story they were writing didn't need 10 episodes. What that means, I don't have a clue. But hopefully it doesn't affect the the ultimate force four or five season plan. Uh, Ike Perlmutter of Marvel Entertainment, the man behind Marvel's renaissance, essentially, uh, before Kevin Feige, has been laid off in Disney's major layoffs and restructuring. So Disney announced that they would be laying off 7,000 employees recently. Uh, this is all in an effort to cut back on $5.5 billion in costs. So the layoffs will begin this week. And it is, quote, a strategic realignment for the company, more effective, coordinated, and streamlined approach to our business, unquote. Uh, Iger, I guess, released a statement saying, quote, this week, we begin notifying employees whose positions are impacted by the company's workforce reductions. Leaders will be communicating the news directly to the first group of impacted employees over the next four days. A second, larger round of notifications will happen in April, 
with several thousand more staff reductions, and we expect to commence the final round of notifications before the beginning of the summer to reach out reach our 7,000 job target, unquote. That is immense. That That's getting up there with, with tech company levels. Um, I don't know if it's because of the recession fears that are kind of true, kind of not. I, it, the banking industry shit that's now happening, I, I am just really thrown off by all this shit because it, it things are looking up and then they're not and then they are and then it, it's very confusing. But then you have all these companies laying off thousands of people yet everything's fine. I'm very confused. Um, but Ike Perlmutter, like I said, who was chairman and CEO of Marvel Entertainment, is part of this group. Uh, via the New York Times, uh, Marvel Entertainment will now, which focused mostly on consumer products and they had handled the TV arm of Marvel before it decided to be part of the MCU and on Disney+, Plus, uh, will be folded back into other parts of the company. Um, Ike Perlmutter has been at Marvel Entertainment uh, since the 90s. Um, he essentially helped get that $4 billion sale of Marvel to Disney in 2009. Um, but of course he actually wanted to fire Kevin Feige at one point. Uh, Perlmutter bought the rights to like Marvel TV shows and stuff back in the day. Uh, he, he's actually instrumental in the reason he got money to be able to buy Marvel stuff was he owned the toy rights to Batman 1989. Like, started with DC and then was able to buy Marvel stuff. So Ike Perlmutter is is really the reason Marvel exists what it is today. Um, it's unfortunate, though, that he was caught in the layoffs, but you don't clash with, with their golden goose, Kevin Feige, obviously, and, and his role has probably diminished over the last 10 plus years. So it's understandable. Maybe he'll just retire as well. Um, let me see. Paramount has announced uh, new information on Star Trek's future. Uh, Strange New Worlds, which we haven't heard a lot about since its first season, will get a second season starting June 15th, and it has been renewed for a season three. Uh, so it will get three seasons at least on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Star Trek First Contact Day is next week, which is like there May the 4th. I'm sure we'll get a trailer then. Uh, Strange or Lower Decks will be getting season four this summer, and it has been renewed for a season five, making it the second Star Trek show to get a fifth season since Star Trek Discovery. And then Star Trek Prodigy will return for a second season this winter. No word yet on a third season. Uh, now it's going to be almost a year between seasons. And that's a kids animated show. Uh, that's it on renewal front. So let's talk about TV reviews. And I'm going to talk first about Star Trek Picard since we're in the Star Trek realm. Uh, of course, it's on its third and final season. It's been a great big reunion of, of the Next Generation cast. And this past episode, The Bounty, double, double entendre there, double meaning, was the most Easter egg-filled episode of Star Trek I've ever seen. And it involves the crew being in two different places, still full of Easter eggs. 
on one hand, you have Riker, Worf, and Rafi going to Daystrom Station, which is full filled with with Easter eggs of Trek's past, and then you have Jean Luc and Jordy finally, um, Shaw and Seven of Nine and Jack and Beverly at the Athlon Prime Starfleet Museum. Uh, which, again, is filled with Star Trek's past. And it's literally amazing. Because, first off, Kirk's body and Data and what we thought was going to be the real Moriarty, but is actually just a tease for Moriarty, is at the Daystrom Station. The Genesis device, things like that, uh, are all there. Meanwhile, at the Fleet Museum, we get, for the first time in... Oh, what, I don't know, 30 years, we see the Enterprise A, the one NCC 1701-A, the USS Enterprise A, the refit Enterprise that was the star of Star Trek 3 through uh, 6, the Undiscovered Country, uh, in glorious HD. Oh, it was so pretty looking. Uh, we also get the USS New Jersey, which is a Constitution class. Uh, but what's weird is it looks like the original series Constitution and not how the Constitution looks in Strange New Worlds. So there's some continuity issues there. Uh, we get the NX-01 refit, which was never official canon. Uh, it's a, essentially a refit of the Enterprise from Star Trek Enterprise the show that was on in the early 2000s with Captain Archer. Uh, this was the refit that had been shown off in concept art if it had gotten a potential fifth season and like the Ships of the Line catalog. So that's finally in, in canon. We get the Defiant with the DS9 uh, theme song playing. We get the Voyager and Seven of Nine reminiscing about the Voyager and the Voyager theme song. Uh, we also get uh, Romulan Bird of Prey, a uh, Katinga class battle cruiser, which actually happens to be the um, oh crap! What is, what's the name? Um, it is the uh, Kronos One, which is the ship that the Chancellor Gorkon used in Undiscovered Country. Why there would be a Klingon ship at the Starfleet Museum is beyond me, uh, but. I, I digress, but yes, it has the USS Voyager, it actually has the USS Excelsior, uh, the, the uh, like I said, the New Jersey, which is an original Constitution class, uh, it has Picard's Stargazer, it has the NCC-1701A, the Kronos-1, the NX-01, uh, it has also the HMS Bounty, and if you don't know what that is... That is the Burrell Bird of Prey Klingon ship that Kirk and crew use in Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4. And it gets a shout out, the thing with the whales. Star Trek 4 is one of my favorite Star Trek movies. Um, so yes, the HMS Bounty is there, hence the title of the episode. It, it plays in. Uh, there's a Romulan Bird of Prey. The Defiant is there. Uh, there's a ship named after Annie Wershing who... who Sadly passed away recently. Uh, there are some other ships uh, that are uh, shown off at the um, 
that are shown off at the Daystrom Institute and the picture that Dave Blass, who's like a ship designer for Paramount, um, I can't really read it, but let me see if I can find it on his Instagram, just so I can give you guys an idea of all the different ships that were at, um, yeah, I can't read it. It doesn't blow up properly. All the different uh, uh, ships that were at the, not just the, the Fleet Museum, but that were at Daystrom Station as well. Because I think I think we it was shown off in Picard Season 2, but there's actually Excelsior 2 class, uh, which is an updated version of the Excelsior class. Obviously, I'm going deep into Star Trek. But Bounty was a great episode of Star Trek Picard. A uh, new episode drops tomorrow, obviously, as we near the end. Uh, the Mandalorian dropped a new episode today as well, uh, which was a, a different episode. Uh, definitely plays into the idea that I've been thinking about how Bo-Katan would kind of modernize the Mandos. Um, that's, of course, at the end of the episode. But the, the, the chunk of the episode actually features the Mandos fighting pirates on on Navarro for Grief Cargo, which was really great seeing that action both on the ground, uh, in atmosphere, in atmosphere fights with ships in Star Wars is always great. There's even like a Smee character, which was kind of funny. But one of my favorite things, first off, Tim Meadows is in the episode. They've been making great use of like comedians in a somewhat serious role in The Mandalorian lately, and I really dig it. But we get an appearance by... Zeb Aurelios himself from Star Wars Rebels in live action, voiced by Steve Bloom. Uh, his race is um, his race looks very weird in 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 live action. I will say that uh, they don't really have a nose; it's just kind of an opening. But it's it's uh, it was fun to see Zeb back. Um, after Rebels had ended so long ago, and pretty much hopefully tying it to Ahsoka. Uh, but it looks like he's a, a pilot for the, the New Republic, and uh, it's been almost a decade since we last saw him in canon, technically. Uh, so it, it's good to, good to see him back, and I was happy they got Steve Bloom back to voice him as well. Um, and then The Bad Batch had its, its two-part season finale this week, Holy fuck, man. The Bad Batch has been outdoing The Mandalorian the last few weeks. And I'm not the only one to say that. The They've been upping the tension and everything going on with the, with the Empire. And if Season 3 of The Bad Batch isn't announced at Star Wars Celebration next week, I'm, I'm not going to be happy. Because they end it on a cliffhanger and it needs to be added. Um... Yeah, the, there's there's literally no reason they... Honestly, they wouldn't let Dave Filoni... Speaking of Dave Filoni, he actually had an a appearance in The Mandalorian as well. But honestly, I don't think they'd let Dave Filoni... Or Dave Filoni wouldn't end it on a cliffhanger like that if he wasn't getting a third season, right? Um, Omega's captured. We lose a member of the Bad Batch, but hopefully we gain a new one. And we're learning... First off, we get a... a Shout out to director Krennic, or Commander Krennic at the time, and 
we get to see more clone commandos, which is always fun. But the Bad Batch better get a fucking season three. That's all I fucking know. Um, but that's it for TV. Let's head on to movies, shall we? Oh, what's going on in Hollywood? Huh? Tommy Wiseau, you know, the room. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Yes, Tom, that Tommy Wiseau has a new movie, Big Shark. It looks absolutely terrible. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is in, apparently in, in talks to star in a remake of Albert Hitchcock's Vertigo. And I love Albert Hitchcock. I love Robert Downey Jr. I don't love Albert Hitchcock remakes. And I don't think anyone does. Because every Albert Hitchcock remake that has been made over the last 20-so years has utterly failed. With the exception of Bates Motel. Because it's not really a remake, it's a prequel. The Psycho remake, which was pretty much shot for shot, bombed both critically and financially. Uh, the Rear Window remake, I don't even think people know it exists. Uh, Christopher Reeve was in it, obviously bound to a wheelchair at the time after his accident, plays that character. Um, I know there's other Hitchcock remakes out there, but they're not well received. I, I don't, and Vertigo is one of his best. I don't see why. It, honestly, though, with Robert Downey Jr., it will probably be done properly and well. But the the writing's on the wall there, folks. We don't need to remake Hitchcock. Uh, Zack Snyder has announced a three-day charity event, which will uh, commence with airing of his three Snyderverse films. Uh, that's kind of what he was teasing with his Dark Side announcement. Um, between April 28th and April 30th, it's the Full Circle event uh, it, to be held in support of American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, he will host the, the weekend uh, with screenings of his three main films. Um, it will take place at the Am Amanson Auditorium at Art Center College of Design in Pasadena um, on the April 28th and 29th. The 30th on the April 30th, the screenings will take place at Universal AMC at CityWalk Hollywood. Um, tickets are on sale now. Uh, each day, day one and day two cost $150. Uh, day three costs $175. Obviously, you get to meet Zack Snyder, screening, things like that. Uh, it will air uh, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League. And let me see. I wonder if that, uh, yeah, that's just... Those will be his films that he's shown off. Uh, obviously, the money will go to a good cause because Zack Snyder, of course, lost his daughter to suicide, which led to him stepping away from finishing Justice League. Um, we'll stick with the DC EU and DCU right now. Uh, Zachary Levi, of course, is going on like a tour and trying to get people to watch Shazam 2, which people should because it was good, um, and was talking about the first movie. And I guess they, they really tried hard to get Henry Cavill. In an Instagram video, he said, quote, We have been doing everything we can to fight for you, the fans. Yes, even you fans that don't like me. All of you fans who love Henry, Henry Cavill, we tried desperately to get Henry Cavill in the first movie. He wasn't a headless Superman because we wanted him to be a headless Superman. We were thwarted. 
All of these hardworking people were thwarted. We were not allowed to have that happen. Uh, unquote. So it looks like um, it looks like they really wanted to get Henry Cavill to show up in that post credit scene in the first movie. We've learned, you know, a lot about the movie. Uh, also saying stuff about being thwarted about the Shazam Black Adam crossover that was supposed to happen. So in Shazam 2, Shazam gets recruited by Harcourt and Economos into the Justice Society. But it was supposed to be Hawkman and Cyclone that come and actually recruit him. Um, obviously The Rock put a stop to that. But I, The Rock, man, dude, just admit you failed. Like This is all from the rap as well. Um, but... Drama over there, man. Drama. Uh, and then Jason Momoa has come out and said that, uh, has confidence. He says, quote, I absolutely think Aquaman will be involved in the DCU. It's on, bro. There's no one bigger than Aquaman. But also, I hope people are excited to see the new one. It's fun. I really enjoy doing comedy. There's some really funny stuff with Patrick Wilson. I really adore him. We had a great time working together. It's like we're brothers. There's a lot of cool stuff happening in this one, unquote. So it looks like the talk that Jason Momoa had with James Gunn was good because as much as he wants to play Lobo, it looks like Aquaman's sticking around in the new universe shakeup, which I'm totally okay with. Uh, then we also got to see Lady Gaga as Harley. I don't really dig the outfit, but I get it. And there was also posters for Harvey Dent. So it looks like Harvey Dent will be in Joker Part 2. Falea Do or whatever they're calling it. Um, John Wick has won the weekend box office in the series' biggest debut with $73.5 million domestically and $137.5 million globally, which has led... Lionsgate to want more John Wick. No surprise there. You know, obviously, they want to keep that cash cow going. Uh, there's several spinoffs already in development, including The Ballerina, starring Anna de Armas, uh, and the Continental Television Show, which is coming to Peacock, which was set in the 70s. And then Donnie Yen has even expressed interest in making a spinoff based on his character Kane from John Wick Chapter 4, which, when I talk about my review, you'll understand why I would totally be on board with that. Um, Brie Larson has finally come out and said to the world who her character is in Fast and the Furious 10 or Fast X. And apparently she's playing the daughter of Mr. Nobody, the character played by Kurt Russell in the previous films. Uh, but she is committed to Dom and his family. <laughs> uh, James Gunn has confirmed that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be around two, two and a half hours, uh, but he said, quote, no seconds are wasted, unquote, whatever that means. Uh, but he also said that the movie will, will where that is going to be focused on Rocket. Rocket is the protagonist of Guardians of the Vo Galaxy Volume 3, and it's, it's really Rocket's trilogy. So I'm excited. That movie comes out next month, or in two months, in, in, eight, in May, excuse me. Um, uh, Liv Tyler has been announced uh, as returning to the MCU for the first time since uh, the Hulk 
was it the Hulk? Yeah, the Hulk. Uh, the one with Edward Norton. Uh, she will be returning as Bonnie Ross. Uh, no, not Bonnie Ross. Uh, Betsy Ross, excuse me. The daughter of Thunderbolt Thaddeus Ross. Obviously originally played by William Hurt. Now being played by Harrison Ford. Uh, so she will appear in uh, Captain America New World Order. Starring Sam Wilson as Captain America. Uh, and then Thomas Hayden Church said he has had discussions with Marvel about the return of Sandman. Uh, he said, quote, we had a whole story involving his daughter for No Way Home, and it just ended up cut, uh, unquote. This is from Disinsider. Uh, he also went on to say, quote, there was so much going on. Amy and Kevin, we all had a lot of conversations, and I would say that conversations have been had about the possibility of Sandman coming into a future iteration of it. Um... Uh, the conversation has happened about him coming back and uh, get a more fulfilling story, unquote. So, obviously, we don't know if this is the MCU or if it will be in Spider-Man or will he play a new version or will he play the Raimi version. Um, but if this means we get a Spider-Man 4 with Toby, finally, I'm on board, baby. Um <laughs> Let me see. Um, Questlove uh, will be directing a live version of the Aristocats for Disney. Yes, the Aristocats will be the next movie to get the live action uh, computer animation hybrid. No surprise there. Uh, everyone loves the Aristocats. Um, and then before we move on to John Wick, so we're, we're essentially reaching the end of the show today, uh, Wes Anderson... Dropped a new trailer for his new movie, Atomic City. And it's probably got the biggest ensemble cast he's ever had. Uh, and Tom Hanks and Brian Cranston are, are joining Wes Anderson for the first time. I'm very excited to see Tom Hanks in a Wes Anderson film. And uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson's in the movie as well. It looks like it's set in the 1950s in a city that has an asteroid crater uh, based around like science fiction campers and celebrating the asteroid stuff in the 1950s with 1950s sci-fi. I am all on board. I have never watched a Wes Anderson movie I didn't like, so obviously I'm going to be very excited for this. I, I love all of his films. Um, but check that trailer out now. It's online. But that is it for the main show for episode 255. Um, thank you guys for listening. So if you want to stick around, uh, I'm going to talk about spoilers for John Wick Chapter 4. Otherwise, I will catch you guys next week. So, a little bit of a drum roll there. Let's give some, some time for people to log off if they don't want to hear spoilers or that way they can come back. But, let's talk about John Wick Chapter 4. It picks up uh, essentially not long after John Wick Chapter 3 ended. It looks like there had been some time between the two. And John does not waste any time getting to work. The action in the film is on point, as always. Uh, Keanu kills it in the role. And we get to see more of the John Wick world. Um, the best part, though, is... Uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Bill Skarsgård plays a great villain in... 
uh, what's his, what are they calling him now? He's, he's some guy for the high table. Um, where is it? Uh, Marquis Vincent de Gramont. Uh, he's, he's a high member of the high table. He starts invoking all these different things, which causes the, uh, the New York Continental to be blown up essentially, which brings us Ian McShane's character, uh, who's always been on the side of John. Uh, to kind of really allow uh, ally himself with him, um, Winston Scott, uh, in what might be Lance Reddick's final role as as Caron. Unfortunately, he does not doesn't survive the whole movie. My boy, my boy Caron, and it sucks, man. But it gives motivation for John. It gives motivation for Winston. And it makes sense. Um, Then Lawrence Fishburne's in it, but not a whole lot, which is fine. Uh, But he's great in the role. This is a better Matrix sequel than whatever that terrible Matrix movie was. Um, Clancy Brown is in it as well. He plays like a messenger for the high table. Great character. But the best introduction, though, is Donnie Yen as the character Kane, who happens to be an old friend of John Wick's. Uh, and and they're pitted against each other in this movie. He seems to be like their number one assassin, um, like John Wick kind of was. So it's it's fun to see him because he begrudgingly takes it on because he doesn't really want to kill John. Um, another great addition, though, is we actually get to go to the Osaka Continental, uh, which is actually run by um, Hiroyuki Sonata, who that man is taking action movies by storm lately. We do get to see an epic fight between him and Donnie Yen in the film. And honestly, Donnie Yen elevates this movie to the next level because he's more martial arts than shooting. Uh, he's actually a, a great comic, comedic relief in the film as well. Like you, There hasn't been a whole lot of funny in, in the John Wick films. They've been somewhat very serious. Uh, but Donnie Yen brings a lightness to the film that is, is much appreciated. Um, his character Kane is, is amazing. He is a blind character in the movie, uh, and he is able to take on a lot of people very easily and almost has like superhuman abilities, uh, in, in his abilities to dodge and things like that. Um, his fight with Sonata is great and I would love to see more of them fighting. Uh, unfortunately Sonata does not make it out, which leads to, uh, the the post credit scene essentially, which teases a future for the movie. Um, let me see. Another great addition is the Mister Nobody character or the tracker. He's a new bounty hunter that essentially like finds John Wick very easily, um, and he has a dog that that literally wrecks people. Uh, there's a great f- scene with him and John later in the film, and it's it's like a, a top down. It's almost like Hotline Miami or some other games like that. Uh, that was that was fucking great to see on the big screen. Um, the the shooting and the fighting are op, are beyond optimal. It, it it's I can see why people were calling it the best action movie in years because it, it kind of is, and the story makes sense for what's going on, but un- unfortunately at the end. Um, you know, John bets all these things. And so major spoilers, John Wick might be dead. 
I, I, you know, obviously the old adage, no body, no death, right? Um, and the way it ends definitely leaves the door open for a potential John Wick 5. And, and while John, uh, while Keanu Reeves and Chad Stileski have said they want to take a break, obviously the money it's making is, is going to be a big factor. Lionsgate actually wanting to make more is going to be a big factor. But while technically they hold a funeral for John Wick, I don't think he's really dead. There, there, there's literally a, a crossroads we've come to, right? There's one option where John truly is dead and we can leave it at that. Or there's one where he faked his death so he can go live in peace finally and not have to worry about the high table or assassins coming after him all the time. Um, honestly, I like to live in the world where he just faked his death and he's alive and fine and, and being finally being happy. Uh, that, that is an option. But, but, if they do leave it at the end here, I'm perfectly fine with that as well. Because the four movies were great and told a great, great story. Um, it was a little more over the top in this one than previous, but that, that's, that's fine. Uh, this John Wick world is, is an interesting world as well because guns and fights go around people and people just are oblivious to everything going on. Um, which obviously wouldn't really be happening in reality. Uh, but every character in the fourth film is great. The story is great. Keanu never ceases to amaze me in his abilities with what do we call it, gun foo now. Uh, I would, like I said, I would gladly take a Donnie Yen spinoff. Uh, we know the ballerina spinoff is coming, and it does take place between chapter uh, John Wick 3 and 4. So Keanu is expected to, to appear in that film. So it makes sense. But if I were to rate John Wick, 100% 11 out of 10. Like, going beyond. John Wick Chapter 4, fucking great. You should definitely go see it in a theater. I loved it. Um, but, again, it, it's a great story. Great action. And if you like the other John Wicks, you'll love it. If you like action movies, please watch the other John Wicks if you haven't. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4, for me, personally, 11 out of 10. I loved it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll have a Dungeons & Dragons review and whatever other ne else news comes out. But uh, that's it, like I said, for Nixner News. Make sure you check us out on socials. Nixner News on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the Nick DeFalco on TikTok. Check out the website. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can stream a podcast, iHeartRadio, things like that. So make sure you give you guys give a listen, like, share, subscribe, do all the fun stuff. Uh, I'm your host, Nick. This was episode 255, and I will catch you guys on the flip side.